And this is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Stephanie Fee. And I want to welcome you to the Fam, uh, Fam Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. I'm great. I'm great. You want to let people know we've got your link up, uh, the Wild Larnix. Lar 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 How do you Lar pronounce that? Uh, larynx. Larynx, the it's wild like larynx. Um, it's, it's like your dot, throat. Dot C, C, oh, okay. Dot C A R R D dot C O. That will be fully clickable, so you won't have to worry about typing it uh, when we're published on all the platforms on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch that we're live right now. Also, want to let people know that we are a featured podcast on Newsly. You can see that little icon up there. You can listen to the podcast on that channel for free if you use coupon code GHOST. That's the audio version of the podcast. You'll be able to check that out later tonight. We are a featured podcast on that platform. And I want to let people know that we're going to be talking about in this episode is um, collaborative ghostwriting and understanding the range of ghostwriters and what exactly to expect. So that's like the, the, the main focus of the episode. But again, um want to talk to you about that and maybe give a brief background of your story um, to kind of introduce yourself. And maybe yeah, at the beginning, you could tell maybe like what motivates you the most or why do you do what you what you do? Yeah, so my story in terms of how I became a, a ghostwriter, uh, it all started with my grandmother telling me to read, read, read so that I could become a great writer. And my other grandma would sit with me and actually write with me. So my two grandmas, uh, they really put me in this direction, uh, kind of unknowingly until a couple of years ago when someone kind of dropped out of the sky in a way and um, read something that I wrote and asked me, can I hire you as my ghostwriter? So that was how it all began. And I said, yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> this was a, a, a childhood dream, a young adult dream that I at the time thought was not possible. So I went on this whole other ride of all these other experiences, entrepreneurship, um, working as a leader in the wine industry, lots of different things, film editing. And I always wondered, what am I going to do with this compilation of experiences? And now it all makes sense because I write with uh, really great leaders and executives who want to make a difference in the world. And uh, my lived experiences, uh, while different than theirs, also help me look through a lot of different perspectives and angles um, to see them for who they truly are and the, the kind of uniqueness that, that lives inside of them, sometimes that they don't even see. Um, and so I do a lot of that in, in the work as a ghostwriter, which we're going to talk about. That's interesting. So somebody found your uh, something you had published, and then decided, wanted to like your style, and then asked you to ghostwrite. And that's your first experience, and somebody ask, asking you officially to ghostwrite. Well, it's a little bit longer story than that. Um, I met her when I had nothing. I had no, no, nothing, no business in writing. I was a sales leader in the wine industry. 
at the Roxy Hotel in New mm. York City. And it just so happened that that evening I decided to have some oysters and wine at the bar instead of stay in my room before work day the next day. Met her and then uh, I, I had learned about her story um, and what her life was like. And I just was really interested in her as a person. And mm. we became uh, close through the pandemic while not even, we only met once. And um, she was writing a book. So she told me she was writing a book and I just wanted to read it because her story oh, no. was so moving. It's like, please share this with me. So when she shared it with me, she asked me for feedback. And that's something that, you know, will come up later in our discussion, I'm sure. And what I learned in my road in entrepreneurship, which was a past life of mine, I mean, I'm still an entrepreneur, but a different, a different startup company that I was working to build, was that feedback is really a gift. And when someone will actually spend the time to, to give it to you in a meaningful, honest way, um, that makes your work better. So I did that. I, I sat with her work and I sat with what I know, how she told her story to me and the voice that I heard when she was just speaking naturally and how moving that was. And then when I read the book, I felt that there was a disconnect. And so I was honest with her about that. And then she wrote back and gave her a few just insights that I thought not having any, I, I had no professional interest in this. Pure, mm -hmm. pure passion and love for her. So she said, I don't know exactly how to do that. And I said, okay, well, do you want me to show you? Because I'm better at showing sometimes. Do you want me to show mm -hmm. you a little bit? Like wh what it what it like feels like and looks like through words um, to put yourself in the story rather than like tell the story? Yeah, yeah. Could you, that'd be cool. Yeah, no problem. I asked for permission which I think is really important when we're giving feedback. Like, do you actually want me to do this? So she did. So I wrote it. I just was like, oh, this is really fun. And then she read it and said, um, whoa, that sounds like me. Do you think you could go through my book? So, yeah. And we went on this That's beautiful, yeah. And it was this really unexpected. So I went after it without, with complete naivete. From, from the viewpoint of if someone were helping me write a book, what would I want them to do? Mm. And that was it. And the experience became so much so more. So did you have a lot of. Sorry then. Did you have a lot of back and forth where you like, where you like interviewed her or did you just read and then interpret or did you have like an ongoing kind of, you know, kind of collaborative effort or did she like, well, like now that you, I get that you feel me. So I'll, I'll give you permission to kind of look at what I write and kind of rework it. Was it something that was done? You know, I don't know how you do that. Maybe you can describe that process. Yeah. Well, this particular client was, it was very impressive. She had written the full manuscript. So I was just like really celebrating the fact that she did that. So it was mm -hmm. really beautiful because she had already put a lot of work into it. So what we work, did together... Yeah, yeah. So, and, and what happens is when you work with a collaborative partner to help you work out that narrative, it opens up more courage, like more ability mm -hmm. to be more vulnerable. Authenticity. That's right. And then it changes, yeah. 
Yeah, and then it changes the, the the feel of the book and the tone and the style because it really sounds more like you. And you would think that, oh, if I wrote the manuscript, that it sounds like me. But no. the fact <laughs> is that most people get all hung up on, you know, they're writing like, what is everybody going to think? Right? Yeah, they try to and present then, like another version of themselves, right? Yeah. It's not a lot of times it's like not the authentic self. It's what people, they think people want them to be. And it's not, not, it doesn't feel, it feels sometimes fake or false because it's like, it's not really them. It's not, so it might not connect. And that's why it seems like a ghostwriter is kind of like, like any creative person that helps another creative person, like an art teacher or mm -hmm. a record producer or a record engineer, like the person takes that raw feel and then says, you know, I can get to bring out more. Like a conductor brings out the orchestra. Everybody knows everybody in the orchestra can play. It's the conductor that figures out how to get them to play it, to feel it. That's right. And and I'm no uh, I'm no conductor of the symphony, but I but I would imagine if you take out a you know a section here and a section here, and you're missing certain instruments, right? That it sounds incomplete. And so, you know, part of what I do is I'm like, hey, we're going to get really honest here. And I'm going to tell you and it's like, I don't know, there's something more there. Like, are you willing to share a little bit more depth here? Are you willing to go? Mm. And, and, you know, the level of depth that you share is equal to the level of depth that your audience and your readership is going to actually be able to connect with you. And mm -hmm. as scary as it is, um, it is so, so cool when you say that thing that you wanted to say and you were too afraid to say it, but th that's the thing. That's the thing. It's the thing that, that goes, oh, your ideal audience, the people who you want to help, they listen when you, when you go there. Um, and hey, you know, those who don't or aren't interested or don't like it, it's okay. You're not speaking to them. Mm -hmm. You're not speaking yeah. to them. You can't speak to everybody because I tried that so many times in my life. I mean, no one. People pleaser. It's like yeah. a people pleaser versus somebody. Like if you're a people pleaser, you're probably not doing anything you want to do at all. Right? You're trying to satisfy everybody else. Right? And yeah. So you're never going to be your authentic self because they're like, you don't think you have permission. So I think it's like a lot of times with a creator, like if you want to be like you, I, I read that you do like authentic storybook. So the authentic storybook yeah. is like, it's like that authentic independent songwriter, right? You could yeah. have a singer, they have a five octave voice and they sing Burt Backrack and that's awesome, right? That's an awesome experience. But it's actually when you actually see somebody like a Joni Mitchell and you know, she wrote it, she actually wrote it. Yeah. She wrote that song and she played that song and that is her. Yeah. Right? There's something about that, that when you, if you can get somebody to bring out that, you know, then, then I think that's what people get connected to, that that's what they feel yeah. like, whoa, I know this person. Yes, absolutely. Every single person that you're drawn to that you don't know, you kind of feel like you know them because they shared something, you know, I call it wildly authentic. Um, and I love the word wild because for so much of my life, I was told like, you know, 
oh, you're too much or like you're you're so wild or you're crazy you know because I'm because I'm a bold personality and I'm like nah wild's beautiful it's natural it's free you know so like stop suffocating your larynx <laughs> and like, like a, let it go let it out yeah kind of a hippie aesthetic you know it's kind of like a hippie like it's like like why I liked Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead and Frank Zappa and all that stuff because it felt like what well, they didn't care they would go play a song for 20 minutes because that's what they felt right yeah they didn't care if they was going to be trying to make a hit it's like it's not about making a hit it was about connecting to what they felt at the moment so yeah. if you can cut like what I call like uh, you know that flow state, if you if you can get to a flow state, and it doesn't feel forced, if you can like feel like you're getting the muse is coming through you, and and even if you're a ghostwriter, you if you see that muse that was it that then the original work, but you see there's missing pieces like that you said the orchestra is missing a section, yeah, and and you so you have that conversation with the person right and, and to get to that uh, wildly authentic story. You you get them to actually not be afraid to tell more. Yeah, um, I've had people go really really deep. Like currently on on my podcast, the Wild Larynx podcast. I'm gonna like tear up about this one, but she she and I worked together to uh, process her plant medicine experience, um, with mm -hmm. ayahuasca. And she went through some, some extremely, extremely traumatic events in her life. Um, brother and sister both, uh, passed away within a short time for one another in very tragic ways. Um, sexual trauma a lot. And she, uh, came to me and said, I want to, I want to share this, the deepest, darkest hardest things because i know that i can help people see that there's another side to all of this mm. and so she reveals i mean really really big stuff um and it's all in the name of saying you're not alone mm -hmm. and there's joy on the other side and the fact is that storytelling writing even narrative work it releases, I call it from stored to storied. There are all mm -hmm. these things that like all these stories living in us. You think it's in your mind, but your emotions are stored all over your body. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's like oh, Yeah, and when you just go, even when you say that thing that you wanna say to somebody in your life, like it feels really nerve wracking. Maybe your central nervous system's going crazy, which I help people with that because I'm also a certified master health coach. So it makes a lot of sense why I learned all these things. Mm -hmm. After you say it, the release that comes with that, like sometimes you need like a couple days to digest actually, like what you got to shake happened. it off. You got to shake yeah. it off. It's like, like an animal is shaking off, you know, like people have forgotten how to shake off things, you know, and I think also it's like the frequency. Like I'm a big believer and like, you know, when people tell a story, you're talking, when you talk, those notes, it's not musical, but it could be, oh, it's, not that, sure. it's, not, it's not that different. It's frequency, right? So yeah. I feel that there are like these universal keys that you can connect to, <clears throat> through like a law of attraction. So whether yes. you're a speaker or a writer or a poet or a musician or painter, you can speak with frequencies and, you know, visual stuff has frequencies. 
audio stuff has frequencies and then there's frequencies from your heart and your body's giving out electricity. You get the vibe from somebody. They didn't even say anything. You get the vibe. So you, they, I think when you release that or are willing to accept the frequencies around you and process them and then figure out how to kind of be part of the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's how you get wild for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love all your like metaphors and um and, and like analogies because I think that's really important. It's like, you know, at one point in my life, my voice. First of all, I hated the way my voice sounded. Did you ever hate that? People will say I hate the yeah. way my voice sounds. Right? I hated the way my voice sounded. I love the way my voice sounds now. I'm like yeah, I sound great. I sound like myself. I'm, I'm like I'm in in every version of myself in every context or whatever like I'm free but my voice sounded like an out of tune piano um, it, it yeah. sounded like it, it sounded like uh like I was trying to say something but I was so so like scared to oh, say yeah. it like whether it was hung in up business. On it. yeah hung up yeah, on like it. in business as a woman who was often around men you know I'd be sitting at the table like kind of like you know, like, like forcing this, like trying to prove myself voice, you know, mm -hmm. totally out of tune. It sounds, so it sounds strained. It was strained. Yeah. It wasn't, you didn't yeah. feel free. I think what, what it comes to is as a musician, like I didn't sing for a long time. I didn't like my voice. And when yeah. I first started singing, I actually treated my voice with all kinds of electronics to change it. And it took me years to accept my voice mm. as it was. I, Cause I didn't, Except <clears throat> I had to keep on changing until I really finally grew into being comfortable with it. And that's, a you know, it's about, you know, getting past that. And so, because you, you, you always have to get past it because, like you said, if you're public speaking and one of a bunch of people, that people mm -hmm. like your elders or people you think know more than you, you have to impress them. You get nervous. You get yeah. nervous. You're not free. You, don't, you end up trying to put a mask on. You end up trying to put, put it on. And then you don't feel authentic. It doesn't pass. It doesn't get over. You can't get it over because you're not being you. Because you're so scared of being you, you don't be. You're not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you wonder, like, why isn't anybody listening to me? Because you're in an out of tune <laughs> piano. You know, no one wants to sit. No one wants to. I mean, people listened to me, or they loved me, or whatever. That you know, great or respected me on a level, but. They did. They weren't hearing me, and we think, oh, because they're a bad listener. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, but you might also be an off, off key, you know, out of tune uh, instrument. Yeah. You know, you might be. Yeah, missing you do have concert. to kind of. <laughs> you have to be a kind of aware of your surroundings. You have to have like a situational awareness. Like, like mm -hmm. I've been around people that they're so into their pre, like they they wrote something down. They get to the room, yeah. they read the room, and they kind of get the gut feeling they probably should change what they wrote, but they're like so tied to what they wrote. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't actually read the room. Yeah. They go and they do something that doesn't match where they are. And whatever you practice, it could be what you practice, but if, if you get to that moment and it doesn't fit, you kind of have to be able to be in that flow state and make it work. And I think that's where the kind of genius of people who are able to get in front of people is like, how do they do that? Because they 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 learn how to read the environment. They know how to read themselves and the people around them and the the, the room, the air, the feel. Yes. 
And you get comfortable with yourself, like you said, and then you can get comfortable in any context. And I think there's something to it. I haven't done any research on this, but I think like sort of the adaptability or like agility, you know, of our, uh, like we're, when we're calm in our system and like confident and feel like, then we can just kind of show up and, mm -hmm. and not, not pit ourselves against like, you know, what if I say this the wrong way or I forget that line? Like you said, there's so much to say about emotions and feeling into the room, feeling into the, the, the person you're talking to, you know, and then just like showing up, like I just showed up here. Right. And you think about it, like there are people who say, well, I would love to be a podcast guest, but I'm so scared of yeah. making a mistake. Right. So they never click the button to try to be a guest yeah. because it's like, well, I don't know what I should say. And I, I don't have the right mic. I don't have the, they give themselves all kinds of reasons. And, and the, the thing is like, you have to have to be willing to make mistakes to break the eggs, right? You, the first time you show up, it's not going to go from zero to a hundred percent perfect. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can't accept it that that first time you do that thing, you never did that. You're probably not going to do it that well. Yeah, right? that you, you're probably on the scale. You maybe hit fifty, maybe hit sixty, but you don't hit the hundred. You know, you get the sometimes people right out the bat they hit the hundred, but that's not usually the case. But people are so scared of that, they don't even try. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the way to I, well, I'll say for me, um, so I have had levels of anxiety for a long time. I didn't identify it until uh, until I was older and then in in the thick of the pandemic it became so overwhelming prior to the pandemic i got in front of rooms all the time i was a little shaky i would feel a little i would feel anxiety in my body but i did it all the time and i knew what i was talking about and i felt really confident pandemic hits i'm here inside all the time like not in front of people and i get this crazy level of anxiety like insane where I, I felt frozen. Mm -hmm. And I went to, at the time I was um, working with my, my startup and I went to like a in-person pitch practice. I had like a complete like anxiety attack, which people don't understand. And I had to leave be, because I didn't want people to see like exactly how that mm -hmm. shows up because it shows up in, in, tears for me and like a bodily sort of release. And I'm telling, I'm saying this because I think for anyone listening, like, I just want to say like, keep showing up and it mm -hmm. starts to break down because what you realize is that like people are amazing. And if you show up and you're not at your best where you mess up, guess what? You did it. Like you yeah, actually you did. did it when everyone else is sitting at home and they're like, I wish I could do that. You actually did it. So then you practice once and again and again. And like, yeah. I, I have like virtually, I mean, as far as like speaking or any of that, I have like no anxiety left. Yeah. But well, it's kind of like if you're an athlete, like if you're an athlete, you practice that three point shot, it becomes muscle memory. You're not going to get anxious that there's a big crowd in the stadium and they're looking for you to mess up. Yeah. It's that you've yeah. done that. So if you're a musician, you played that piece, you know it. 
You don't yeah. even have to look at the page. You know it, right? So if you've got that kind of confidence, it comes from showing up. It, it comes from actually doing it. Like if you're going to do anything, you kind of got to get that 10,000 hours, whatever, how many hours in. Once you yeah. get it in, then you shouldn't, you should trust yourself. Yes. And that's the problem I've run into people. Like you've been doing, you, you know, you might've been writing for 10 years, but you still don't trust yourself. Well, you've got the capability, right? You're a public speaker. How long are you do, but you still don't trust yourself. Okay. It's kind of like, maybe you need to talk to the coach to figure out how to get past that. You know, you to have that law of attraction of you know, like however many haters there are, there's that group of people that are going to love what you do. Yeah. And you shouldn't get so obsessed about the couple of people who write about it and don't like it mm-hmm. versus the new doors that open because you show it to the world. Yes. Yes. And I think the, like the, so I always ask people, what is it when they start to work with me and they want to write their book? I always say, what is that thing that you really want to say? Cause I have NDA. Like I have non-disclosure agreement. Whatever you tell me it is that you really want to say, you gotta worry about. Can tell anybody, (laughs) but but it's it's a question that I ask because, and I invite them to just like say it, say it like blunt, like don't don't worry. We'll work on what you really mean, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's a fear of being misunderstood now that's bigger than ever. Yeah especially with like leaders and stuff, because they're like, if I actually say what I think, everyone's going to get mad. Yeah. The police are going to (laughs) go. Yeah. And I'm like, well, look, let's break this down through different lenses. So you can actually understand what it is you really want to say. Because it may be that like, you just haven't found the right words to be properly mm-hmm. m- properly understood and articulate with confidence that thing. And once you get that thing articulated in a way that feels really authentic and really like you, it's 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 not so scary anymore. Yeah, it's and like I- criticism. People are so scared of the criticism, and, and there's so many places it's coming from. From like it doesn't matter what your political perspective is like you if you you there's like the left and the right in the middle it's like people it's like well this is the way you're supposed to do it yeah and what i've always argued like you know you think about the canon like the literary canon mm-hmm. you know, like you write and you're you're gonna write like moby dick like, like but that's a classic right so if you if, if you think that's the canon and you you want to be in that style but if you go wildly away from that and you're in some class and everybody's supposed to be writing like that and you you go off on a deviation well, that's not that's not real literature, right? So you've you've gone something outside the canon. So if people think it's wrong, well, you know, if somebody's got to try something new, or you're just going to repeat what's been done in the past. And yeah. so, so yeah, anybody who's on the bleeding edge always gets attacked for like why why is that different? And it does take a level of courage to, to kind of be there, just to be yourself, because everybody wants you just to clone what's already there. You know, you get people just yes. doing AI, AI prompts and it's like, well, this is what's been written before. So make it sound like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I always have to steer, not always, but I often have to steer people away from like um, too, too heavily uh, sort of um, like looking at what other people do or how they their books read or what they're saying. Um I have to just constantly be like, but this is your book 
and what <laughs> your vision and your like unique edge and you can do it however you want and and my job is to help people at least this is how, this is how I approach my work is is un uncover you know take the blinders off of like what everyone else is doing, what everybody else would be happy if I said, what I, what I should do for everybody else and get them to like come from a place of like pure, like this is what I want to say. This is why I want to say it. And like get that thing out there, out of their system, out into the world um, without pitting themselves against everybody else, you know, or trying to be everybody else. Ugh, who wants that? Same, Where, same. What are like three aspects of a high quality book? Like if you could, they're probably more than three, but just to break mm -hmm. it down to three, if you keep it simple, then it doesn't, it's not overwhelming. But if somebody wants to do a high quality book, mm -hmm. what are three like, uh, you know, pieces of that? What what are points that would people, you know, just to look at it at a high level? Yeah, I'm going to say um, storytelling, the storytelling aspect. Um getting getting that right and when i say right i mean emotional connection um with you with with yourself and then that's going to happen automatically with with your audience um i also would say style tone the framework you know the because um there's so many cool ways to put books together you know, there's not just like a cookie cutter here. You have to do it this way. One way. One yeah, way. Yeah. So like, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's architecture or it's design. And, mm -hmm. and so I think that that's really important because it provides like, you know, with a framework, you get freedom to then create within that framework. So when mm -hmm. you have a beautifully designed kind of narrative arc structure and framework, um, you can take the reader on this, on this glorious journey and then you know you just create within that framework um and i guess outside of what's inside of the book you know there's the outside of the book mm. and i do really 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 believe that that outside of the book has to be just as extraordinary as the inside of the book and and, and if you don't have a book that you're proud of to sit you know in 20 years and it's, you know, behind you, you know, on your Zoom and everyone's got it on their coffee table because it's such a beautiful book. And, you know, they want to pass it to you because it feels good. Like, mm -hmm. like the I'm a person of like, I really like the way things feel, you know, yeah. and, like, and I, I'd yeah. say you want to touch, yeah. touch the actual item. Yeah. yeah. The, the, our piece of art. It's kind of totally. hard in a today with like such a digital world, but it's mm -hmm. the same thing like if, if music, like a vinyl record. Like a vinyl record versus an MP3 sure. and a wave. Yes. If you have that vinyl record with the artwork and the liner notes, it's an experience beyond the song. It's yes. more likely that the person who has that's actually going to read the lyrics. The person that has that is going to sit down and actually listen to the first side and the second side. Yeah. And just skip it around on a playlist and forget about it and not even dive into who you are as an artist. Yeah, it's a it's a sensory experience. Like if you're actually reading the hard cover book or soft cover book, the words and how they're designed inside of the book, that's engaging, you know, mm -hmm. your senses and you're holding something sensory. And 
And so that to me is really important. And then in audiobooks, please, please train yourself and do it yourself. I really tell everyone that writes with me, I'm like, we are oh, going to do your own narration, do your own voice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anyone who writes with me, I have them, you know, I have them read to me back mm -hmm. to me. And then when there's like a, like a, it doesn't quite, or if they don't, they're like, no, I'm okay. I'll read it by myself. And I'm like, record the audio files and you're going to listen to them back. And anytime you hear something that's not your, like, it doesn't sound quite like you or natural. That's when we're going to, shape it you know it. yeah and then and then through that process they start to get like really like loving the audio part which is really yeah, really yeah. fun um and then i've been working with someone on wildly authentic stories the the plant medicine work that we're doing the story telling work now it's audibly you know present on the podcast and our he he's so amazing he's doing the sound behind her her story oh there's music it's behind really it or, cool. or, or is like music or just sound effects or is it he's just he's like playing with sound but he's doing he's like so talented because or like a sound her, voice, her voice sounds her voice is the focus he's he's just making a like what's sort of like ambient sound yeah, 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 yeah. yeah soundscape Sounds yeah, have you read Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act? Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. Okay, so on his audio, um, I love it too. So it's kind of like this similar style, like he's got a gong, you know, between. Oh, I haven't, re I haven't heard the audio. I should check that out. Oh, right. I great. didn't check that audio. Yeah, it's just... right. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, that now audio is such a big way to share your book. Um, so I would say that. The quality in in the audio matters as mm -hmm. much as, as the book That's itself. I've had some people come on and say, "Oh, you should," you know, and they might be pitching because they they're actors, like they're voice actors, mm -hmm. so they they want to pitch that they do it. But I yeah. assume they're livelihood, so they either going to pitch that. <laughs> but, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got to understand where somebody's coming from. It's like, it's like what that, if you're an actor? Of course, you want you you want to do it. But if like somebody, it's like it's, it's like the idea of the singer songwriter, you know, Bob yeah. Dylan singing his own song. That's what the deal is. Rather than somebody else singing the song, it's like if you wrote the book, if you can 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 actually narrate it and do it, you you can get into that full experience. And yeah. I think it would make you feel better because it is your it's your full vision as an artist, right? Yes, and and authorship is artistry. And it's agency. It is ownership. Um, I always play around with like authenticity, authorship, right? Like, like we, if if I'm helping someone write their book, or I'm doing most of the writing, or maybe all of the writing, there it's their voice and it's their words. Yeah, yeah. So I meet with them and transcribe everything, and then they're like, "Whoa, my words sound." Are those my words? And I'm like, yes, you said that. You said that in in the session. I did. I'm like, yeah. See the amazing things that come out of out of you, but that you can't even you know hear yourself. So I'm just kind of like a like a a catalyst for you know kind of transmuting their their words into into writing sometimes. But yeah. So I mean, um, 
gosh, I don't know. I'm getting now. I'm getting all hyper and lost yeah, on what I'm trying to say here. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. The whole the whole experience. Well, I guess like, you know, we've been talking a lot about like how 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 I guess like I ghost right. I I honestly have no idea like. I mean, I do from like talking to other ghostwriters that are more like, you know, similar to me, but I, I don't know actually like exactly how they do it. I've never sat with another ghostwriter in their sessions. I don't want to. Yeah. I do it you, my you way. Because you have your own thing. You, yeah. You know. I, don't, I don't need to do it. Like as far as like, you know, I have a, a, a an amazing guy who's um, kind of stepped in to so generously he's a very successful ghostwriter and he uh has been really generous with like kind of helping me with some things and sharing some some tips and things with me but there's no tip for intuition there's no tip for what you're just like naturally inclined yeah. to do so it's i just natural creative capability yeah it's kind of like when yeah. you ask a musician like how do you write the song right and they can right, tell right. you how you wrote the song it's kind of what it's like I'm a, I'm a creator. Mm -hmm. So, and each one comes a different way. So every project yes. that comes to you, you might use different things. So it's like, it's usually not just one way. Cause like how yeah. you heard something that moment triggered like your overall response is like, and you have the ability as a creative person to kind of pull what the inside and the outside and synthesize it and come up with, the advice or to come up with the, 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 the what you're going to do. And it's, it, it's so kind of, it's hard to explain to people because they want you to, Oh, I want to put it into an algorithm. I want yeah, to put it into a, like, this is the top 10 things you do. It's like, well, it could be the top things, like 10 things I did for this thing, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's the top 10 things for the next thing. Yep. You know, it yeah. It might not be translatable. It, no, might, it might not, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's great to have, um, it's, it's amazing to have like, you know, someone like me or writing coach, you know, coach you on, on the process and everything for sure. But like, if it's got to be in, in my opinion, in the way that I work and the, the, the work that I help people do carry out, it has to be highly personalized. It just, it just is, um, mm. you know, and then on the other side of the spectrum. So I think, you know, as far as ghostwriters are concerned and like what to expect. Um, there are like, there's like this side and this side, right? Like mm -hmm. there are people that will say, like if someone brings something to me and is like, here, write that. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we're going to like work together. I want to know you. Like, you we're gonna you have don't want to just take it and they walk away and they go to the South of France and come back and it's like done. Yeah. I don't want like, to talk to you. They like just take it and go with it. Yeah, then you gotta hire someone on like you know one of the platforms that you know you know the, like exactly. less expensive um, writers, ghostwriters hang out in those platforms. You know, like like the people who are using more AI, the AI type of person wants more, the AI to write the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't like I'm not saying anything. There's just a difference, right? It's not good or bad. It's different and perhaps that's it's different, yeah. it's, it, it, fulfilling a need for for something or somebody you know but but like um, yeah it depends. yeah i guess you got people who are more hands-on like if if, right. if the project is their project 
you you think they want to be involved. But if you get somebody that says, well, just take it and walk away, well, yeah. they, they really don't want to be kind of driving it. Because if they, they walk away, they're giving you like 100% control of like, this is what you got right now. And that's what you're going to get. So everything you do is based on what you have in your hand right now, but no further discussion, no additional feedback yeah. or input. So it's like, what is that? It's like if you're working with a record producer and you have the band in the studio with the producer yeah. and they're there for six months, it's like a teacher, it's like a music teacher. They're going to learn and they're going to, it's going to go back and forth versus yeah. if you just give it to a guy and say, fix this track and I'll come back six months later. And I never call you and never talk to you. They well, know he's it's, gonna it's, do whatever he's gonna do. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I mean, as a ghostwriter, like my name's not on anything, right? So, like, like my name's not on your book; it's your name on the book. So you're hiring someone like me. I want to, I want to make you look great, as as you do, yeah. as you do. But I want to help you and challenge you and engage you to really get into this process, but leverage to your strengths. You know, mm -hmm. you can save time, money, and energy, um, you know, which is all the things that people want, right? Like, here, give this to me. I don't have the time. Of course, but you know what? You're going to love this if I understand what it is you love to do yeah. in this process and, like, engage you in that. And then you're, and I have, it's my favorite thing when someone says, like, I thought I was just coming to write a book. This is so much more fun than I thought. Yeah. Well, it's all yeah. like you're showing up. You got, it's kind of yeah. like you got to show up. Like if you, you're showing up and you got to be involved, you have to give something of yourself. And, yes. and, and when you're coming to a ghostwriter, I would think it's like, well, I'm, I'm not too confident in what I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. I need some help. And if I want to learn, to get to be a better writer, like what a better, what better opportunity than to work with a ghostwriter who's going to listen to me and get me yes. and get the idea of what I'm trying to get across and then mm -hmm. help me do that. Yeah. And a collaborative effort rather than like a top down, I'm going to be like the teacher with the red mark and the red mark, everything and fix it. You know, that's yeah. not necessarily what you're doing. That, that's in nowhere near what you're doing. No. And there's a lot of, you know, one thing is like, there is a lot of trust and it has to be automatic. And I tell people, if you're not comfortable right away, if you don't feel trust enough with me to like, you know, trigger my work, pay my fee and get started together, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it because you're going to, you're going to feel weird sometimes because like, if you give me, you know, a bunch of things that you've already written and you give me, I mean, I've had clients give me like 20 books that inspire them. Right. So you send me 20 <laughs> books. That I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating, but almost, almost you know, yeah, yeah. you send me all of that. You send me your whole, you know, Google folders with like tons of stuff in it, or, or you just like piles of paper, whatever it is, the material that exists. I have to get to know you. And I also have to go through because I respect you and care about what you think, how you mm -hmm. feel, and the time and energy you've already spent to put into this material. Please allow me the time to go through it with my best attention mm -hmm. so that then 
we've got the foundation where our relationship goes beyond the final manuscript. I always tell people that like you can call me after after our the final manuscript is over and I'm not going to charge you money. You can call me and say, oh, my God, like, I'm really nervous. My book is, you know, whatever in the airport, <laughs> you know, what? Ah, like because because there's different phases, right? Yeah, where then yeah. It's another level of courage or vulnerability or whatever. So like allowing you should always expect a ghostwriter if you're writing a book and you want something of quality and meaning you should expect them to take time with what exists um it, mm -hmm. it's honestly yeah, just yeah 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 but that must be a problem today with the instant gratification kind of you know if you think look at like you know social media people mm -hmm. want instantaneous response People want like I want ten steps. I'm going to solve everything. Yeah, and and a lot of times, like anything that's worthwhile, takes time. Like if you're writing, you know, if you're trying to create a really good piece of art, it could happen overnight. But a lot of times, it's that's not the case. Usually, yeah. it, it's it's a process that comes from synthesizing a bunch of different things and starting here and starting there, and then eventually, like. It's not that you made mistakes, but these are the things that lead up to the final piece. Yes. And so like that take that that usually not going to happen from zero to a hundred all at once. Yeah. And, and I think, an expectation today, but people want that super quick. Yeah. And when you're, you know, when you, when you get into the writing part of it and you're like, cause I look at like, you know, I'm doing most of the writing, then they're going in and saying, Oh, I like this, or I want to change that, and blah blah blah. There's there's fervor, there's it's working. Um, it it is necessary to take a break, Whew. like yeah. <laughs> because your mind gets so deep into the work that then you can't read it with a fresh uh, mind. Yeah, so I love to, yeah, I love to take little pause and 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 like. Hey, let's pause and like totally forget this book for, you know, maybe it's a few days, maybe it's a month. It mm -hmm. depends. Yeah, it's dependent. And then go back to it, you know, and of it's course, it's a fresh, you know, fresh look. It's a fresh set of ears or yeah. eyes. We do that in music, music all the time because you could be working on a track and you get too crazy and you yeah. worked on it for a month yeah. every day. And then it's like, you, you got to walk away to go away. Yeah. Don't, don't even listen to it. Don't look at it. Don't don't even think about it. Then come back and you come back. It's like, wow, you get that different perspective by walking away and coming back. For and a lot sure. of times you, you need that perspective, like all kinds of art. Like it doesn't yes. matter what type of art it is. It's like I've talked to tons of different types of artists and you do need to kind of do that to get perspective. Because sometimes you can get so focused that you don't see the, the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, I was working out a um in a business book with this great client. He's so awesome and he's always into like, yeah, like take let's take our time and then come back to it. So we're we're hustling looking but his his framework that that you know, we came to the, the to create um his vision is is like a um it's a little bit brainy. Like it's 
It's not going to be presented that way to the reader, but it's a little bit of, it's like a quite a lot of like, because it's very original, you know, it's really cool and it's really original. And like, I had, I was like, okay, we got to have a digestion period, you know, I have to. And, and then you can go back and like actually be really honest about, is this good? You know? And it was, yeah, it was yeah. fun recently. And I don't always think that. I'm like, oh, God, what did I, what was I doing there? I've got to, you know, finesse this or this doesn't quite, you know, compute. But going back to his recently, um, I was like, oh, this is good. You know, and I, and I loved like that feeling of yeah. kind of separating from it. Because when I was getting too, I got so thick in it that I was like, am I doing a good job? Like, is this is this good? And then yeah. I had to separate from it and come back. And I was like, yeah, I would read this, you know, this is fun. Um, but yeah, you can't see that when you're, when you're thick in it. Um, any art, I think any, anything. Yeah. You create, yeah. So what you, is what you do called like developmental narrative work? Or That's is that what just I call it. it? Yeah. I call it that because what I realized was that I go beyond ghostwriting and it's not always ghostwriting, you know, it just depends on, it's kind of like, um, it's like a marriage of, of all things that depending on who you are and what you need, you know, I have clients that love to write. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, and maybe they don't want to take as much time, but they love to write. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll do some of this, take the legwork off of you, but then why don't you get in there and write, you know? Yeah. Of so it's not, to me, it's not like one or the other. It's always kind of like a combination. Um, yeah, it's very, very yeah, whole. So, a lot of things is like, you know, it's a lot of things today. It's like not one thing or the other thing. It's like a lot of things in yeah. a like multi genre, like, like multi capability, right? So there's a lot of times people want to get pigeonholed and like, well, I'm it's just this, it's just this. A lot yeah. of things are not just this. A lot of times things are amalgamations of multiple things. And you could be, you know, you could be presenting something that is a hybrid. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And a lot of times people want to pin it down. They want to yes. say, well, it's, just, it's just this. And it's hard. It's very rare when something's just that. It usually <laughs> came from something that might not be exactly that, but you know, you, you, I think that that's that that's the fun to me is to mix things up. Yes. Like I like to mix genres like jazz and, and punk. Oh, cool. You, you, Ooh, you that's cool. Like, why would you do? Well, yeah, well, that's cool because why not put a punk aesthetic with jazz? Yeah, why not? So that comes in some cases. You, you could say that you know fusion jazz was kind of punk anyway. So why not? It's, it is kind of that way. So so why not come at things like that? You know, and, and it's not wrong. Maybe some people will think it's wrong, but yeah. you just do it <laughs> because if that's what you feel, th that moment deserves what you're what you're into. You should go with what you feel your gut feels, and you know it's it's kind of like the, the artistic thing to go with your gut. Yes. Sometimes that's hard because people don't want to do that because they'd be kind of trained not to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and a lot of people will go. I need a ghostwriter. And, and then, you know, I get, I get on the call and I'm like, okay, tell me why you think you need a ghostwriter. And what they actually need is a creative partner. They actually need somebody to bounce ideas off of. They might need a little writing. They might need a little coaching, you know? So, so it's not always like what they think they need. 
Um, but a lot of people are like, ghostwriting, they, they feel like they know what that is, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people just are like, I don't wanna write. And, uh, but then I feel like, well, if I'm gonna capture someone's tone, voice, style, and they don't want to write, well, then I need to hear them speak. Yeah, I need you to hear it. Yeah. And that's where, like, the narrative artistry comes through because it's not just, like, okay, talk and tell me in a session and answer these questions and goodbye. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. It's like, okay, it's now here's the writing. Kind of, yeah. It's an ongoing it's, collaborative session to get the feel, right? You want the feel of what that project's going to be. Yeah. And the only way to get the feel is to actually, you know, push on it. Like, like when you're pushing with any artist, it's like, what are you trying to do? Right. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're a producer, like, what are you trying to do? What, yep. what, what mood are you trying to convey? And what, 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 what feelings are you trying to get your audience to get out of this? You know, what do you, what's, what's the point? Like if you get, so a lot of times, like if you you get to the artist and you, you, you ask them like, what, why are you doing it? Like, why are you doing this piece? What's the motivation of why, why are you passionate about it? What, what is it you're trying to get across? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you start pushing on it, then you start, you can get people mad or they, they start saying, I was like, well, it's not apparent. It's like, maybe not. <laughs> so yeah. it's like maybe you have to kind of get people to, to clarify where they, where they are. Did you have you so yes and I'm I'm asking you this question because it relates exactly to what you just said. Do you know who Kenny Beats is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know who he is. Okay, so have you listened to his album Louie? I don't think I read that. I, I haven't heard that one. I heard a bunch of work he's done. But oh my god. So like I'm listening to him on it might have been Rick Rubin's podcast, I'm not sure. Um, cause I had heard a song by Kenny Beats and it was off of the Louie album and it was with, uh, I think her name is Remy Wolf. Yeah. Remy Wolf. I know her. Oh, yeah. My God. daughter's, I, my daughter's into her big time. Oh my God. I heard this song and I was like, what? I was like, this is so good. And so I got into the Louie album and I'm like, what is this album? It's so cool. So it turns out that he basically you know, from what I recall him kind of talking about, his father had been diagnosed with cancer and he like recorded his father and did this whole album in this like really alternative way that's not like made for like, you know, more commercial consumption or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and like in the process, like the, the, you know, the top music people in the industry were like, that's, what's going to get you, you know, the work that's going to result in, you know, the bigger, the bigger projects. But, and he said it in so many other words, but I was so inspired by that because it was like, he just came from zero, zero interest in like, is this going to make me money? Is yeah. This yeah. Gonna, like you know, the, the real artistic, uh, like, you know, the kind yeah. of thing I was always into with like progressive rockers, you know, yeah. like, like the the early yes, you know, Proko Harum and a lot, a lot of stuff from the sixties. I'm big time in you know Parliament Funkadelic. Like a lot of mm -hmm. I like you know Zap Frank Zappa and and yeah. and, the, and the Mothers of Invention. I mean that stuff that wasn't super commercial, but it had an impact on other artists because it was so 
critic, the, the critics love it. Like there's some stuff that never really sold, right? Lou yeah. Reed stuff, like with the Velvet, like, but it inspired tons of other producers to say, wow, that's the feel I want. I want that Lou Reed Velvet Underground feel. Ooh. So that's, that's where a lot of alternative producers in the 80s and 90s, they were all name checking Lou Reed and saying that that's where I'm coming from. That's what I'm trying to do. And he wasn't commercially successful with that Velvet Underground stuff, but inspired tons of other artists who were commercially successful. And you know, Stephanie says that song is on, on uh, what album is it? Sorry, I'm like, a song with the name Stephanie. Um, no, I love Lou Reed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Well, and the thing is, is that like, that's a great example of like, again, you just come from a place of your art. You're not coming from a place. You're coming from a, a, a place of like, not trying to people please. Yeah, you, just, um, you put it out there and yeah. it does inspire people. You know, I love the story of William Blake one of the great Victorian poets. I mean, and he was not known in his time. The songs of innocence and experience were not Victorian poet hits at the time. They're not, he wasn't known. He mm -hmm. was known after because he put his stuff on metal plates and yeah. as every single poem has a picture behind it. And it was found in a, in a, like a farmhouse after wow. he died. I mean, then he became one of the great Victorian poets because he wrote in the era and then people said, wow, this work is amazing. But he had the presence of mind. He wasn't good at marketing, but he had the presence of mind to etch those poems in metal, in acid, thinking that they were important. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to, as an artist, you should think your work is important enough to put it out there in some way to get it into their world. Yes. With, with, without, I think it's kind of like entrepreneurship, actually. Like when you're building a startup business or a business a company, you've got a company, it's like, put yourself in the process. Don't, don't get too hung up on the result because expectations kill, you know, sort of kill joy, honestly. And then they kind of keep making you think like, oh, it's not happening in the way that I want it to, whatever. So I do think it's like, if you, if you create something thing and then focus hyper on like, who's paying attention, how many like likes am I getting? How many subscriptions am I getting? Blah, 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 blah. Like you're gonna kill, kill the soul. Yeah. The yeah, well, a lot of people stop. Like, you know that that the big yeah, how many people in this yeah, yeah. in this age if they don't get a thousand likes, yes, if they don't get on yeah. the algorithm, if they don't get on the playlist, then they stop. Exactly. Like Lou, Lou Reed didn't get on the playlist like back in the day. He did. He didn't really push it until Bowie helped him with Walk on the Wild Side. And then he got bigger. Yeah. But like from '66 to like '72, he wasn't doing that well, but he kept on doing it because he felt like. It was important to put his art out there, and I think you have to you have to kind of get to that point where now you're not that you got to be a starving artist. And some people think that's that's a badge of honor. It's not that you want to be the starving artist. It's like that you you feel the art because it's in you, and mm -hmm. you know, and you just you put it out there, you and you throw it at the wall, you put it into the world, and if you can find somebody like yourself to help you do it better, and this is like one of the things that you tell people, it's like you're into the art. Maybe you need somebody to help you. Yeah. Maybe you need somebody like, you know, Stephanie yeah. to come to help you. And then that will get you there. But don't be scared of actually starting right. that journey, right? Everyone has, I mean, everybody should have always in all areas of their life, you know, a guidance system or or 
people who will actually be truthful with them, people who will help them, um, people who will hear them um, for real, you know, before anyone else does, right? I mean, like music. Do many people do that alone? Oh, I mean, you look at a music studio. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, like from the outside in and like, you know, you look at when I always think it looks so fun to be in a music studio with like a couple of people just like creating it just looks so fun. And I have been in, in a music studio before, but like, gosh, I want to do that <laughs> more. Right. But yeah. like, well, then you have you to write like a book. Candyland. Well, it's like yeah. Candyland. Like you have all your instruments, you have all your tools, so you have fun. all this stuff. So it's like, it's like, you know, it's like the dreamland. It's like a yeah. filmmaker that's got a, you know, a camera is full of film and he's ready to shoot. He's ready to go. He's got the lighter, people with the lights, and he's got all the stuff. You got the screens. He, he can create the environment. Like that's where musicians, we have all these tools and we create these sound paintings. Like I call them sound paintings. Like because like we're trying to create like a story. We're telling a story and the audio is actually enhancing the words so you get the feel, whether you feel like the, the drama, the pain, the melancholy, the passion, the happiness, you can feel it because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to tell a story within a certain finite amount of time, not as long as a novel, not as long as a book, but we're telling a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I feel like, you know, that should sort of be the, the angle of authorship. Like you have this whole amazing kind of collaborative experience. The book is yours. It's your vision. It's your you know, your mission on your value system with like, you know, this, this group of people or one person or whatever. Um, but people lock away and they're like, I'm writing my own book, you know, and th that's cool. Like, that's cool. But like, when I wrote my own book, I was like, doing the audio files and then I would send it like I would actually send it out to friends I just did I was like I don't care I want to know what they think and and like I needed to connect yeah I get I that beta connect. reader kind of feedback but you need yeah. that kind of that's why people have beta readers right that's why you well, have folks, yeah folks that listen to your demo or folks that watch your 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 film that's like right the, oh. the, before before it hits you have your you know, the people who kind of give you that beta read because I'm so you glad you brought this up, actually. Because this is what people do. I mean, when I was doing that, like, I, like I'm accustomed to throwing myself out there and stuff, you know. So I was, and these are like some of my super close friends. They're actually some of the like I wrote like love stories. I wrote about like sex and love and relationships and stuff, and then understanding of self through those experiences. But I actually sent them to some of the men that were in the book, you know. Like, so it was kind of a fun little experiment for me, and I, mm. I didn't, you know. But the pro the thing that happens sometimes is that people start to share their work right away with like the wrong people, mm. and then and then like like they're like oh you know so and so didn't like it or and I'm like it's not you know like that's not it's it's not quite there yet and that's not actually the person to send it to so yeah, like you need a reader somebody that's right. like yeah that's somebody yeah. that's like more willing to do that than. Then, like, if you send it to your best friend, or not like, like a beta reader type, and they're not used to seeing your work, yeah, they, they might give you such a feedback that you get so, you're so down that you don't give up. Yeah, you, you or know? actually, the worst is the the worst thing that happens isn't like, well, okay, 
<laughs> two things. People just go, oh, I like it. That's great. That's great. It's great. It's great. Because oh, they don't want to oh, tell oh, you oh, the oh, truth or they don't want to oh, give oh, you oh, any oh, like deep feedback or they don't read it at all. And, you know, it's really heartbreaking. It's been heartbreaking for a, a couple of my clients have been like, I sent it to my family and they don't even want to, they don't even read it, you know? And I'm like, it's okay. They're not, you know, it, it, and they'll like send it, you know, prematurely. So they're still in the process of creating it. And then it kind of gets them down, right? Like that they don't have anything interesting to say. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just that people's attention, it, it, it's, it's hard to capture these days. Yeah, yeah. And you got to the right people will read it and will give you the right feedback and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that that takes some thought and strategy and work and, and things. So, no, yeah. But we, we've hit our hour mark and I do. We went over, um, thanks. <laughs> we always go over. It was such a good conversation. Um, so, yeah, I just want to let people know that this will be out there on all the platforms that you can listen to or watch a podcast. We have been on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast. It was a great conversation. And um, it will be widely distributed on all those other platforms by tomorrow. And I do thank you for being a guest on the Family Electric Ghost podcast. Thanks for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. Thank you.